0: hello and welcome to the tavern chat podcast i'm your host eric tencar and this is another in our designers and makers series of fireside chats today we have none other than alex camera probably best known for the game hole convention amongst other things alex welcome
1: thank you very much it's a it's a pleasure to be here
0: oh, this is going to be a fun time i i've I've met Alex uh, a number of times thanks to various conventions, but uh, it's this, this the first time we're actually getting a one-on-one, so that's kind of cool.
1: For sure, for sure. No, we've certainly chatted before, but this will be uh, – I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All
0: right, well, Alex, I don't know if you've uh, listened in on prior podcasts, but I have five questions that I ask pretty much of everybody. It allows us to get a little background <laughs> before we uh, venture off to Beaten Path, and I'm going to ask you the, the – Generally, the first question I ask everybody: How did you get involved in RPGs? What was your first experience?
1: Yeah, um, that's a uh, the first first was when I was about eleven years old, and I went across. I grew up in rural Wisconsin. Uh, for those who are sort of orienting on the map, about an hour and a half north of Madison, sort of in the middle of nowhere. And I uh, ventured across the highway. Uh, at one point, we lived on kind of a busy road, and uh, there's some neighbors that are over there, and they were uh, antique collectors. And he always bought all kinds of cool stuff. You know, like, remember he gave my little brother Batman number 100, you know, like a really valuable wow. Yeah, cool stuff like that. And he had a box, uh, a a, a game that he was he and his wife were tinkering around with, and he showed it to me. Um, This is an older guy; I mean, my dad's age, uh, my parents' age. And in retrospect, I realize now it's the Holmes Basic Box. Um, Oh. But he was talking about it. And he said it's pretty complicated, you know. Uh, you know, you have to be sort of, you know, what what an elf does. And what this is, I'm not sure if I really like the game. And I just sort of filed that away. I didn't, you know, I was, I just didn't, I just, I just remember the experience. But then a year later, I went to a local department store, uh, and it's called uh, Value Village. Long gone, long, long deceased, you know. Um, but in uh, going through the aisles there, I remember seeing so clearly a four-panel cardboard uh prop up and in that in those four panels were the four hardbound D D books dds players monster manual and dm's guide and i look at them i said i can't even believe what i'm looking at I mean, what the wow. what the hell is this this is unbelievable and the each book was 15 bucks and i thought holy shit i've got a i've got to mow i've got to mow a lot of lawns <laughs> so i can buy these books and so i did and i bought them all it took me most of the summer to earn that much money and buy them and you know, I was twelve. This is nineteen eighty two, and uh, <laughs> they're great. I mean, looking at them, they're pretty inscrutable. You know, for a kid that age with no guidance, um, <clears throat> and then so I, I then I, a buddy finally, in uh, a couple of years later, in in uh, junior uh, in middle school, um, we played that probably uh, probably at that point was the Mensner Red Box, and we played one on one, keep on the Borderlands, and so that's where it launched from there
0: all right so you got you you, like many of us you got started with some amalgamation between uh first edition and basic
2: yeah that's always
0: interesting yeah because for 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 lines that were considered pretty separate by words of the well of the coast oh my god tsr um it's amazing how as gamers we pretty much use it interchangeably
1: yeah, I mean, you know, now that I've you know, um, uh, slightly more sophisticated individual looking at that, uh, they're they're very. I understand where TSR is coming from and why they're developing those lines. There's some legal reasons, there's some financial reasons, but yeah, absolutely. To especially to some kids, Jesus, I, I, the logos looked a little different, but that's about it. Yep. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I still remember I started with AD and D about 1980, 1981, and I remember being introduced to Dungeons and Dragons Basic, and I was like, "Oh, I can't play Basic because it's it's kids' game." I you was know, mm-hmm. like, you know, probably twelve, thirteen myself. I got to play the advanced game, but I would play all the Basic D and D modules interchangeably with my AD and D rules because they were pretty much interchangeable, except the AC was off by one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was that just shows. Uh, sort of primitive uh, marketing at that point the way they labeled those games uh, you know it's, they weren't really thinking about that exact reaction that you had because I had the same it's like basic game I, you know I got these cool hard bounds why am I going to step back into that uh, right. and and uh, given how awesomely nuanced and wonderful the basic rules are for a lot of and you know why it has such a they have such a strong following uh, to this day because they're a great rule set. Nothing basic about them in terms of the sort of the pejorative concept of something being basic or, or, or simple.
0: Right. They were just presented to you without giving you everything at once. They allowed yeah. you to build up your knowledge of the game gradually. Yeah. You, and, and in a lot of ways, that was probably better. I, I, in retrospect, uh, uh, as somebody who uh, I guess is reaching grognard age, I, I surpassed 50. Um, i I do see the advantage that the basic expert rules had over ad and d in introducing players without much of a background to gaming to rpgs
1: well sure i mean just think look at the dm's guide i mean my god talk about chugging from a fire hose um you know it's like holy i don't even know what i'm reading i don't even understand this at all you know as a 12 13 year old with no context uh but you know Sokos, uh, uh, you know, those are wonderful memories and trying to, you know, it's it's kind of like my first splashing around Traveler trying to build ships at that age. You know, like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, but I uh, sure had a lot of have fond memories of doing so. Oh, I, I spent more time <laughs> with
0: Traveler roll, rolling characters and seeing if I could get them like, I don't know, well skilled and yet alive at the end of the uh, character generation. Building, trying to build ships with those original rules. Oh, I gave up on that. Really.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. So yeah, that's uh, that's my. Uh, I still have my original, uh, my original books. That's the. They form the cornerstone of my of my collection which is kind of one of my jams these days uh you know uh, amassing the stuff that i have Uh, so i can tell you that the player's handbook that i bought back in 1982 was a sixth printing player's handbook um it still has my looping uh alex camera signature back in whatever grade that was which probably seventh grade um so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's something that you remarked on it it's interesting i think everybody i know who gamed in the early and mid 80s signed their game books
1: yeah yeah or put a book plate in them uh, that was a kind of a popular thing back in those days too uh, but yeah yeah I don't know what we were worried about someone yeah
0: because I, I, trust me I could tell my players handbook from anybody else is just looking at the wear on the cover and 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 the, and the little scuff marks I didn't need to look in and see whether I signed it or not
1: yeah, it comes from the school of thought of labeling your mittens, maybe. I don't know. <laughs>
0: oh, geez, yeah. I guess you're probably right. All right, so now, we know what brought you into gaming. Today, what is your, game, what is your go-to rule system?
1: Yeah, I'm playing a lot of 5e these days. Uh, I uh, I play lots of different things. But uh, if I had to, you know, the game I played the most over the course of my life has been ADD 1e. Um, but these days, I play a lot of 5e um and I like it i it's the it's the most this the uh, most recent I- iteration of and d of course and it's also the best one since for me at least since second ed which I really liked first ed and People make distinctions uh, between one and 2E. I really don't, uh, particularly, at this, especially at this point with this long of a lens looking back. Um, I played a lot of 1E, 2E, and there was crossover. And you know, I don't know what I was playing when, some sort of hybrid for a long time. But uh, 5E is, very, uh, is my game now because it's, it's much more like 2E than it is Pathfinder or 3.5 or 4 for me. So that's what I'm playing, and that's what I'm writing in. I do a lot of authoring in, in 5E, uh, and it's a great system to uh, write in. I, I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I've I've noticed a lot of your recent stuff has been in Five E, and I, I know going from One E to Two E didn't really seem like you were changing systems all that much. You know, it, it felt in a lot of ways like they were just uh, taking the uh, the One E system and maybe taking it up to Eleven. The Splat Books kind of got out of hand, but uh, we played more Two E than I think anything else.
1: Yeah, you know, it just, it took, it took some, it cleaned up some wonk that was in 1E from my perspective, you know, and I, again, geez, there's the last thing in the world I'm interested in is anything that resembles an edition war. You, you, you enjoy whatever your favorite flavor of ice cream is. You do it, you, you, you enjoy it to your heart's content. Um, But for me, 2E answered some questions, which I had about 1E. And that is like, for example, where, where cleric spells actually come from? You know how does that oh, work? Yeah. And I love that we had a, a you, you know the, the, the how that worked how we had an explanation. I said, oh, okay, this is based from your deity, and they have schools, and you know it just it made much more sense to me. Um, uh, you know I, I joined the criticism that most people have of renaming some of the classes, things that didn't need to be renamed. But you know, it, you know, again, I it was more there's more more good out of two e than bad for me personally.
0: Well, I, like you, I mean, I, I played, I played 2e right up and until third edition release. So of course, that corresponded with me stop, you know, not gaming for I don't know close to ten years anyway. But it was well, 2e. The the only, in my opinion, the only bad aspect of 2e was once the splatbooks got beyond the first four or five splatbooks. <clears throat> Once we started getting to the, the things like the complete book of elves that was never play tested, uh, and they admit it, uh, and, and and things like that, where a, as a GM suddenly you couldn't trust what was being put out by uh, your game publisher to be balanced. I never had that experience prior to that, or at least yeah. I never realized I did. No, yeah, you know, then no. you're like, no, you can't be a blade singer, but 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 it's in the book. You know, you can't be a blade singer. But
1: why? Yeah, I agree. At least for me, uh, it was sort of self-limiting because I was in college at that point, and I didn't have enough money to buy all that crap anyway. So I was pretty. Uh, I was, you know, those, those, uh, those. Uh, uh, gosh, what do they call the the player handbook Comple- extensions? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah,
0: the com- complete complete player's handbook. Player. There you go.
1: That's right. The, the complete. Yep, I, pay- and those those I those I acquired much later in life. You know, uh, so I, you know, that never. But I can see that. Uh, they a drop those things in the middle of a game. Sheesh.
0: Yeah, well, he, he, and I'm going to give you a little background on the reason why I had a, a complete collection of that, or, or at least complete when I ordered it from the uh, mail order hobby shop. I ordered it from the mail order hobby shop, I think the complete book of fighters and a poster. And what shows up at my house two and a half weeks later is this really heavy box heavy and i open it up and it's like every complete hit complete (laughs) that that had been published and no poster so at the time uh, uh my roommate was a friend of mine uh we were friends since elementary school and he was in law school at the time and i'm like dude they sent me everything but one thing they ordered and he goes I'll, uh, until they ask for it, just, uh, you know, don't, don't tell, don't bring it up to them. So then I start getting like answer machine phone calls from somebody very desperate at the mail order hobby shop. And apparently the, what their issue was is that there were two Eric's and they crossed the orders. Oh, and they basically sent me this guy's order and sent him one book and a poster. <laughs> Nice. And, and yeah, and they wanted me to send it back on my own dime. I was like, I'm not even going to return a phone call at that point. Yeah. So that's how I. That's how I had everything, uh, pretty much.
1: That's not a bad way to get it from the sky, basically. Basically, from the sky, it
0: was a gift, <laughs> you know. And, and, and let's be honest, I was also in college. And if they had told me, oh, listen, uh, we're going to arrange for like UPS to pick it up," and no, it was just, "Oh, you got to ship it back to us." And you gotta, and you gotta give us like a uh, a receipt. You know, give us a receipt and give us, you know, re- you know who's shipping and the tracking number. I'm like, you fucked up.
1: I right, right, right. So, yeah, that, that again shows that's a nice window into the sort of the corporate dec- corporate level decision making that was going on at TSR.
0: Oh yeah, and, and also the incompetence in their shipping. Uh, now, I, I, I will say that one other. A recent company did that i'm not gonna name them this was i don't know probably 10 12 years ago when uh internet you know orders were, were becoming really big and apparently somebody just had really bad shipping really bad tracking software and they were tracking things by first name not last name uh am not gonna again not gonna say who it is but uh i was like ah I reached out to them and I got to reach out to the other person who got my shipment since both of our information was shared between the two of us and what we got. So I was like, that's really bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. All right. So now we're going to go a a little bit off field here. Since you started with basic, uh, what is, how do you feel about racist class? You know, we don't see it in modern games per se, but how do you feel
1: about it? Uh, how do I feel about what race of class? Oh, race, ra- race has a class. Yep, it's. Uh, um, I I don't really have strong feelings about it. It is one of those things that if it is uh, uh, defined as a thing, when you sit down or, with, with an understanding going in that that's gonna, the way it is, uh, it, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I'm certainly not one of these people who rail against it or think it's is the it's gospel, um, but. Uh, I and I've played in those games, and I think it's okay, but it's hard for me to go back playing, you know, from playing an elven mage and an elven fighter and a halfling thief or whatever, than to go back and be an elf. Uh, Just conceptually, it was hard for me. I certainly don't have any problem with it, but it's not, it's just not my jam. Uh, and I certainly recognize it's uh, the historical importance of it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get, it, it doesn't make its way into my Sunday of ice cream as my favorite flavors. <laughs> All right.
0: I'll accept that. that. That fits well. All right. So here's our our next gaming related question. And it's going to be, where do you stand on Save Eye? Die? Not the podcast, but the <laughs> me- Mechanic.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I I think it's a uh, God. I have I've been on the wrong end of that a lot of times. Uh, so it'd be hard for me to. Be, yeah. So it'd be hard for me to uh, to uh, to be against it as a concept. I think it's one of those things that is a a. Uh, it's really in the hands of a good DM to be doled out in in moderation and only you know. It, it just it can be overdone, you know, and it can be overly punitive. Of course, you know. It's a yeah. And uh, so that's the if it's well done, and especially if it is a a as a result of a decision a player made, not uh, you know just seriously like a spike from the sky. Uh, if it's something that you have you have taken a, a a affirmative action, and that has brought you against something that maybe you had the choice of avoiding. I'm much more okay with the saver die than sort of the the uh you know just because uh, that some of the some of the noteworthy older modules had <laughs> that just oh, yeah. struck, that sort of struck struck me as being just unfair um but so no, I'm not against it. I think that uh, in fact if you even I, you know if save or die as a, as a, as a, as written is not a thing in five e but it can be engineered effectively to be that way um you can and I do that. Uh, because I think players' choices should have real consequences. You you do something stupid, you've got to pay the price. And one of those in that menu of of possible prices is your character is freaking dead. Um, uh, so I uh, I am I am not I am not uh, a one of the one of the people that is pro nerfing um, the game.
0: Yeah, you pretty much like me like if the player has like you said a choice, like you know that the big MacGuffin is at the end you know that what decisions you make are going to have an impact you know it's not unprotected yes you could expect maybe a trap that could be save or die but that random trap in a hallway where you step on a loose tile and all of a sudden it's a save or die spell mhm yeah.
1: yeah i agree with you as a as a former law of- enforcement officer, you're probably familiar with the concept of actus reus, you know, an affirmative action. You know, if that's the, yeah. if that, so if there is that, the, if you are, if, or the, or the mens rea or the mental element of committing an act, then I'm the consequences that flow from that act. Okay, but again, yeah, the right your 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 analogy your 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 uh, example is a perfect one. Um, that uh, you, you're just rolling down the hall without something that something obvious that you probably should have missed that took a really high like for instance, back in the day only certain characters could even see or perceive that that that, that uh, plate in the floor and you don't happen right. to be that right kind of character and then you die. I mean that's that's right. that's I'm not cool with that.
0: Uh, if you have a dwarf in your party, it will have a chance of detecting it. However, without a dwarf, it's <laughs> yep. like oh come on, yeah. and also like you said, it, it, it's it's like spice. A little spice goes a long way. Mm-hmm. A lot of spice can 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 ruin a meal. Yep. You, can, you know, and, and a little save or die, keeping your players on their toes is great. But with with the save or die around every corner, then you've taken away. Uh, not just their ability to, to have an impact, but you've taken away the, pretty much the whole story. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be r- random life or death. That's not the point to, to gaming. It should be your player's decisions. Have there's, Obviously, there's a randomness to it, mm-hmm. but your player's decisions should have a large impact on, on how an adventure goes.
1: Sure, uh, sure. And I was, you know, when we ran games and there was a save or die or, you know, or save or really bad consequences moment, we uh, did not, we're not in lockstep with the tables in, gosh, and the, the DM's guide necessarily, we'd alter those based on circumstances. You know, if, yep. you, if you took steps that were intelligent, um, you could have a, 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 a lower bar, an easier threshold to make that save. Um, and uh, because that just seemed to make sense. And I think a lot of us did stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and, and it's funny because when we did that, Back in the '80s and the '90s, we really didn't call it house rolling. It was, you know, it it was maybe it was unique to to your campaign or to your game group, but it was never considered a house roll. It was considered common sense. Mm -hmm. This makes it, you know, especially when we started playing games like Rifts. You realize if you didn't make common sense decisions, the game would just stay broken. Mm -hmm. But uh, Right. right but you know, you're right. You know, we we all we all did that. Now we we codified as well. These are the house rules. They're listed here, uh-huh. and uh, we didn't bother with that back then.
2: Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: All right. Well, here's the final question before we start uh, hitting the sandbox aspect of this. You came into gaming as a young teen. What would that young teen think if they could see how you'd be involved in a hobby at this point in your life?
1: Well, it's funny you ask that, because I shit you not, here's been my week. I, uh, on Tuesday, went to my daughter's fifth grade class, and I gave a slideshow presentation uh, She uh, of um, the art in my currently being kickstarted book, which is the art in this is just spectacular. And <clears throat> the purpose was to show these cool images and also to talk about how, Art goes from words that I that came out of my brain onto paper through several different hands and the different iterations an image can can have uh, and you see the final result. So it's kind of talking about the art process. Um, right. And uh, they were the kids were unbelievable. I mean, these are this is just you know this is like sugar crack to them. You know, talking cool <laughs> cool dragon picture. You know, all this kind of cool images. Yeah. <clears throat> and they more and more. Including her teacher were asking about the game. You know, how does the game work? And there were awesomely like four or five kids who were very. This is fifth grade again. Very right. conversant with D and D. They they knew a lot about it. That would never have happened. I was the one kid in my class. Um, so first of all, there there are that many kids that are in that class that knew it. So the teacher at the end, she goes, when I we had about 20 minutes left, she said, Hey, can you just run a game for some of the kids? And I said, wow. Wow. All right. So here we, we, you know, I can, yeah, let's do it. So we sat down on the floor. She picked six kids. Um, they had, all they had are some six sided die. And I just had the kids sitting around me in a circle. The rest of the class crowded around me, including the teacher. And I just said, Hey, um, what, uh, you, you have to decide, um, if you're going to be a human or not and what, what they do for a living. And I gave some examples and they picked, you know, sort of fighter cleric kind of thing. And, right. and, and then basically they, I, I had a very simple scenario of you're trying to get past two guards, two hostile monster guards. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And just listening to them. You know, first of all, uh, come to the realization that this is a cooperative game, not we charge them and kill them. No, what are you you actually going to do? You know, and and how these kids are working it out. Um, And then I used the dice rolls, uh, you know, one, two, three as negative with varying degrees and four, five, six as positive. And I just storied what the results were. And it was great. And the kids freaking loved it. So that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I got asked to go out to a local high school to judge. A board game design contest because they have a freaking board game design class in high school. That is awesome, I, I man. You, I would have killed for that. I, I know. I, I was telling these kids, I'm standing have, there, are a couple other uh, industry folks with me. And, you know, my first, you know, we did a panel afterwards where they're asking questions. I said, first of all, kids, and I didn't say kids, first of all, guys, you got to be effing <laughs> me that you get to do this anyway. Here you are. You've been here from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. screwing around with us, talking about board game mechanics in high school that is insane that is completely inconceivable to me so anyway if my if my 12-year-old me or 13-year-old me or 15-year-old me could see that I'm writing D&D books that I've got a massive D&D collection I've got this unbelievable game room above a pub I own where I house my collection <laughs> that I that I run this convention that people think is great, and I can't, I'm just so humbled by that, and I get to go to conventions and meet all kinds of other cool gamers. I know literally thousands of gamers all around the world um, that we, because we share this passion in common, this kid wouldn't even, would not believe it. That would be just stunning, uh, and it should be, because it is stunning. It's just, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing how um, D&D has fundamentally ch- affected my life and the trajectory and what I'm doing now as I approach my years of, you know, trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up.
0: Well, so there and, you go and, well that and that is as you put it, how d and d has affected your life has brought you to where you are i mean honestly god like you you were just mentioning before with me, I'm a retired cop, I remember being a rookie out in the south bronx and then back in ninety seven and <laughs> i i i I had this screwed up situation. I was on a footpost, and I had to handle it, and I didn't know what to do. And I told myself, oh, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to role-play a police officer and figure it out that way. Mm. And, and it's amazing how that worked. Mm. You know, it's like, I am a cop, but I'm going to role-play one because you can take a step back kind of when you do that and get, a, get an outside perspective. And I was like, that actually worked. Mm-hmm. Huh. And uh-huh. D&D has certainly given a lot of confidence to, I'm sure myself and others. I mean, before I was a cop, I worked retail. I sold electronics TVs. There's no way I could have gone up to strangers uh, as the me who, who never played D&D and interacted and, and built rapport, which is what you do when you're in gaming groups and even at conventions and playing with strangers. You you make those connections and you're able to... Uh, put any of the shyness or other stuff aside and yeah. step into it. And that's really a skill that D&D gave me.
1: I, I completely agree. It did a couple of things for me. First of all, it, um, uh, it galvanized my nerddom and uh, gave me a, uh, an interest. It led, it was a gateway drug, quite frankly, to fantasy literature uh, and to into literature bro- more broadly uh, and, to, and, and thereby scholasticism. I, you know, I became a book guy because of D&D. And then because I was a reader, I was good at standardized tests. I was good at school. I then I became a lawyer, you know. Later in life, you know, I was a history major. I was going to go get a PhD in, in comparative revolutions until the wall came down. But so I changed changed course and uh, <laughs> ended up going to law school. And again, law school was I was going to say it's easy. I had to work, but I got it. You know, it made sense to me. You know, I got the you know it's it was it was not I was ready for it, uh, and. Uh, you know, and so it's 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 axiomatic for me. Uh, and then, yeah, the part that you're talking about, the socialization piece of it, of um, being being to yeah. picture yourself as someone else is a very healthy undertaking for everyone. Because really, that's that's really the the basis of empathy, you know, in a lot of ways. Yep. That, that is pu- picturing yourself as someone else in different circumstances. It's just a very healthy exercise anyway. Uh, and then being able to protect, to pretend to be that different person uh, and to speak with that person's voice is a, is a wonderful experience, and I think that's why we're seeing so much uh, so much more role playing D and D and others in classrooms, especially with kids who are, are, are having difficulties, uh, because they can step outside of themselves and then engage the subject matter uh, from a different angle. And it is it is it's an, it has it has had profound impacts on on kids' lives uh, and and look at us i mean we we're just talking about a couple old farts like us kicking around when it wasn't you know there certainly was no uh it was never launched with that design and pr- with that goal in mind uh this is just you know that's just sort of how it worked out um uh, so I, I think it's it's just the greatest thing i i love gaming it's just a it's a, a tremendously great thing and i'm i'm so delighted that my kids are into it um and that uh and that there's so many that the hobby is is in in such a robust and healthy state i just love it
0: oh god yeah now it- Anyway, my son just turned twenty six yesterday not into gaming uh at all his fiance she she plays on uh, fantasy ground she's played some five uh, e but for him it was always he's he's of the generation that things have to be graphical and they have to like uh they have to be video gameish for you before mm. it becomes cool but my niece is eight and since she i turned she turned six when she saw swords and Wizardry light uh when i got an advanced copy of it. She grabbed it out of my hand at six and told me, uncle, you wrote this for me.
2: <laughs>
0: I did. You wrote this for me because I can learn to read four pages. You can teach me that. I can play D&D. And uh, when she turned seven, she told me that when she turned eight, she'd be old enough to go to gaming conventions, which uh, I wasn't going to tell her no flat out. But now she's, now that she's eight, she told me 15 is a better year. So when she's 15, she'll be old enough to enjoy conventions but she She, is into it. She understands that all my Dwarvenite, which I never use, just sits in boxes with me, and now I'm giving to her, and I get pictures every couple of days from her mother's cell phone of the latest uh, part of town that she's built, the latest dungeon. Uh, She gets it. She gets it, and uh, it's it's just a beautiful thing to see, and hearing that you were a history major, uh, I, I find that a lot of us were history majors, at least those of us that have gone on not just to game but to go a little bit beyond it in the industry whether it's blogging or writing or uh running conventions the people that have history may seem to have a wider uh background in and in, and in, in obviously history and it seems to carry over into gaming where you just kind of stick with certain aspects of it um I am the only one in my uh, college group that uh, I guess didn't take a a business profession straight out of the box. Mm. And uh, I was also the only one with a history major. Everybody else took majors that were business related, accounting. Uh, I just happened to really enjoy history. And I'm I'm glad because it gave me a very wide background that would be applicable to a lot of different professions. Mm-hmm. As opposed, as opposed to others, where sure, good, good you know, do well in your accounting, you're going to get a job. Maybe, you know, in case of one of my friends, uh you know, he's working with Bank of America as a vice president at this point. But I wouldn't give up my history degree in the background that I got from that for anything because I just think it grounded me so much in in, in more I guess real world aspects of of dealing with. I don't know you know events people i just think it's just a really good good uh major for such not necessarily a good major for coming out of it knowing exactly what you're going to do with it like you i was going to go on and and uh (laughs) i I plan on getting my 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 graduate degree and and maybe uh you know become a professor obviously that didn't pan out
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep yep exactly but uh
0: so there's a lot of things I want to touch on, but being that I spent lunch at my local pub, um, how did you get, you you actually have your own pub, and like you said, a game room above it. How, how did that come to be?
1: Oh, well, you know, life is interesting always, and it takes unexpected turns. And uh, so I, for that, I actually, I'm a part owner in two different pubs. And it's because I have a good friend who uh, is the operating owner and a good guy, real smart guy, real scientist when it comes to food and beverage. And he wanted some help to get these get a couple places open he owns i think four or five total uh around town around wisconsin and uh i uh so i said sure and uh the reason was the first one the, the one that the, the you're specifically talking about is called the free house pub in middleton wisconsin uh which is right down the road right down the street from where i live it's uh, just a few blocks away
2: Oh, isn't that
1: beautiful? Uh, Oh, that's awesome. And I, so the, it was initially, uh, I was interested in the cut the idea because they're, we're going to buy the real estate. So I looked at it as I I thought it would always be cool to own a pub, but there's also this backing of a, looks like a good investment. So that's how I justified it. Well, the building is, uh, a civil war era hotel. It's the oldest building in my town. And uh, because of it, it has a lot of odd features. Uh, one of them is that it's the second story. Uh, has extremely steep, well, very steep stairs, certainly not up to modern code stairs that go upstairs. As such, uh, we we can't take, we couldn't have uh, any customers up there for any restaurant purposes. And because it's a historic building, we can't change it. Uh, okay. So- the, as you ascend these stairs that are pretty steep at the top, there's a landing and there are two doors and they go into two larger, these were the suites, the hotel suites. They're both three room suites. The back, the, the furthest door goes back into the hotel, the, uh, the, now the restaurant offices. But if you turn left, you'll see a big glass plaque plaque that says, uh, the game hole on it and a big Cthulhu door knocker. And that opens into a hallway, a three room, uh, suite where that's, where the game hole is that's where that's why game hole con has the name it does because we my game group has been called the game hole for 20 some years um and that because those rooms weren't going to be useful for anything I, actually my partner's the first one up there he saw he said boy this would be a great place for a game room and i said done uh and i i claimed that space immediately and i renovated it and uh have been slowly filling it these last you know the game hole list, lived in my basement for a long time uh, okay. and that's, that's part of the reason why it was called the game hole. Uh, and so when w- we opened the pub about eight years ago or 10 years ago or whatever the number is, uh, my wife was delighted that the game <laughs> hole was moving. <laughs> so when people say, how's it that your wife allows you to have a game room above a bar? I said, are you kidding me, man? She got her entire basement back. I mean, we don't, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I totally moved out. Um, so it's worked out for everyone. So it's, 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 it's truly it's it's one of those almost have to pinch myself kind of things like what a weird what a crazy thing that i've stumbled into um that i have this this unbelievable game room above this cool pub and i we played last night we played till midnight last night um playing actually finished the final play test of uh, the book that's uh, currently out there that i wrote uh and we play once a week we play dnd or call of cthulhu or savage worlds or something uh every week with these the same knuckleheads that uh, run game will con it's all those guys that uh, we get together and we play we role play once a week so it's it's unbelievable I, it's it's really cool
0: that's that is awesome. All right. Well, we've, before we hit on your your current Kickstarter, you've written stuff before. This mm-hmm. isn't your this isn't your first product. What got you into writing? Uh, I mean, and and listen, we've all written adventures as GMs for our own groups, but yeah, what got you writing adventures for for the public? Because it's a different mindset. You gotta you gotta. It's a different way to write.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's one, and I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have appreciated how different it is when I started as to where I am today. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, because I'm a lawyer, I essentially am a professional writer. I, uh, I have, I'm very widely published, but in very specific things. Right. Um, despite being a trial lawyer, I'm one of those lawyers right. that actually goes to court and tries cases to juries. Um, but I do, as a as a as a part of the job, there's just a lot of writing and a lot of uh, a lot of published writing. So I, you know, as far as the basic chops of writing, you know, those have been well honed. Uh, but what came to be the reason why I actually got into adventure writing uh, formally, a, a, again making the the very important distinction that you, we all were splashing around writing goofy stuff for our friends, um, right. but to, for actually to be read to be read and consumed by other gamers was for hole Con. Um, the d and d uh adventures league which is the current uh, iteration of the of their uh, um, uh, their 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 uh, organized play uh, they started they launched a program called con created content where uh, conventions could write exclusive d and d material for uh, attendees of their show and i thought well that 's pretty cool and so we, i uh, i my first uh, and at the, you know, I, I this is, it sounds like a terrible name drop, but my friend Ed Greenwood was interested mm-hmm. in, um, in d- doing that with me. And I thought, wow, that, this is a really great opportunity to, to write an adventure with one of the true masters. And, uh, it was just an amazing experience because Ed is so explosively prolific. Um, he writes so fast and so wow. well uh, that what we did we shared a document like we had it was a three it was a trilogy that we wrote for uh cameo She's about three or four years ago maybe five years ago um and we it was a shared it was, it was just a it was a word document that we each saved on our end and emailed it to the, the guy uh and the agreement was you write this part and then i'll send it back to me and i'll write it well the thing was i'd finish my part i'd slave over i you know it took me two or three days and i'd send it to ed it would come back i shit you not like two hours later with his next section completely done and beautiful and perfect. Like, oh my God, I don't even get a break. It's, you know, he just, he just, he just, it just like it jumps out of his body. It's crazy. Um, so that was my first stab. It was for Adventures League, Con created content. And those adventures were pretty good. You know, they were, they were not bad. Uh, and from there, uh, people, you know, then I, then I, the next year I did another trilogy that I wrote myself. Uh, and then I got approached by folks to uh, write things. Um, for different uh, small press publishers. And then I also wrote, I decided I'm going to write my own trilogy of modules uh, for that are going to be printed, uh, and we used our friends at uh, uh and Gray, uh, so uh, the uh, Trollords, to print them. They do a good job with printing. And so I, I wrote uh, my own. It was called the the Brain Gorgers Appetite. Was the first module that I wrote myself, uh, standalone. I
0: I remember that one actually pretty well because I reviewed it for you. Oh, and that's right. Was,
1: that's right. You did. I was. That was very kind. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate no, that. And, no, you know, I was... it. No,
0: no, it was, it, and it was, and it was very. It was. Uh, Nice little twist going on there, and it was it was fun. And I don't say a lot of adventures are well written, but not a lot of them you can read them and say, oh, this is gonna be fun to run. Mm. That was my take on it. So yes,
1: I appreciate that. Well, that's always the goal. I'm trying to. I write for DMs. You know, I write for people who are gonna give the DMs the tools to put on a fun game, a challenging, fun, dangerous, exciting game. That's always the goal. But man, I tell you, for a guy who at that point is in his mid 40s, who has written all kinds of stuff. Who has tried a whole bunch of jury trials? Who's been through all kinds of you know challenging things that all us grown ups go through? I was nervous <laughs> as hell to put that out there. Like this is my first Alex camera module out into the into the wild, and I was just I was like, oh my god, this is I'm going to be so hurt if it sucks. You know, if people think it's <laughs> it's garbage. Unfortunately, uh, people had nice things to say. And uh, and it went you know it sold well and uh, so I wrote a second one and a third one uh, and in fact the third one I'm going to this is the last time I'm going to run a piece of it at North Texas here next week um, it's uh, a Trillium the City of Enchantment is the final uh, final step in that uh, tr- that my own standalone um, modules that we wrote f- write for a little imprint called Gamehole Publishing uh, and uh, we have a total of I think twelve different modules. Uh, uh, D and D modules that we've published ourselves through our little imprint. Uh, Ed Greenwood wrote a couple f- with us for us, uh, and then other guys in the game hall have written them. So that's where I kind of got started, and now it's just sort of picked up pace. I mean, I get asked to write stretch goal things for Kickstarters. I've been asked to, you know, write. Uh, Frog Gods asked me to write a couple modules. I, uh, you know, Goodman Games has asked me to write some things. It's, uh, you know, it's it's wild. It's just all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, all that I want and more. <laughs>
0: Well, it, 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 it's strange how that happens too. it which yeah. like you reach critical mass and all of a sudden it, it it feeds itself yeah you don't have to look
1: yeah yeah that's for sure that's for sure um so yeah that's where it sort to present day and then you know the my book that's out there now that happened because boy uh oh geez more than a year and a half ago probably almost two years ago um just sort of shooting the shit with Bill Webb about it. And he said, that'd be great if you'd write a book for us. I said, well, man, that's not a small undertaking. <laughs> um <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm a full-time lawyer and a full-time dad, and I have other businesses. And, you know, so it's just one of those things where my time to write is usually in the evenings, you know, uh, or, or actually after the kids go to bed, and I'm, you know, either at the dining room table or in my bed with my laptop open. you know. So it's not like I'm, you know, can put eight hours a day at writing. It's just not, not right. I think that's reality for most of us. Um, oh, yeah. So, but I, but we talked about it and he wanted, uh, he was interested in uh, a, a book. Uh, he was doing a maritime adventure at the time. And I said, you know, i I've really, I've always been fascinated by the Sahagan. And, you know, we, we can debate about how that's per- supposed to be pronounced, but that's how I always pronounce it. Um, I have, I have no clue myself. I yeah. may always
0: avoid pronouncing it because I figure I'll look stupid no
1: matter what I say. Sahugan, Sahag, and whatever. We all yeah. know who I'm talking about. And uh, the uh, and I said, you know, that would be pretty interesting. You know, there because I like I like nuanced monsters. You know, what I don't like writing about are demons or something like that. They're just like yeah, just voraciously, unstoppably evil, and they are they're pretty one dimensional, right? Um, they sort of are what they're what they are. I like nuanced monsters who have their own society and they have their own culture and they have their own reasons for doing things. Um, they, they certainly can be evil and they should, you know, can be, they should be dangerous and all those sorts of great things about that we love in D and D. But so that, that idea appealed to me. And so then I started kicking around and uh, you know, as of, you know, as of about uh, uh, well, I guess I sent my last revisions to the book <laughs> to my editor just this morning. So I'm now officially. Oh, really. Yeah, it's now, it's been, I've been playtesting it for the last several months. It's been fully written for a while, but I've been, you know, it's one of those things, Eric, when you write something, it's really hard to say it's done. And I just, yeah. need, I needed, I needed the frog guide guys to say, hey, Alex, pen down as of the end of the month. No more. And I needed that because I would have, I'd fuck with this thing endlessly if I were allowed to. Um, and uh, because I just, everything is, you can just make it a little more perfect. You can just give a little yeah. more information here. You can just, oh, I can clean this up. I can anticipate this player's action. And I really help the GM with this little sidebar about what happens if they, you know, you just, you make yourself crazy. Uh, and so I'm, I'm delighted with the end result, uh, which is Sea King's Malice, currently on Kickstarter. And it's, I, I think it's a great book. Um, of course, I think it's a great book, but I think it's based on the, uh, the reception and players that have played it with me, uh, uh, have been very, have been very pleased with the, with the experience. Uh, so I think it's gonna be fun. I think people are gonna enjoy it.
0: Well, I have it up on my uh, desktop right now. And I think the reception from the public has been pretty good.
1: Yeah. The Kickstarter is going great. You know, it's not like, um, I'm not exactly a name like Monty cook or something like that, where you throw your name on something and you know, it sells a ton. I'm, I'm, I accept the fact that I'm largely an unknown writer and that's totally fine. Um, and uh, so there's a lot. Part of it is, first of all, the 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 reputation that Frog God has of putting out high quality materials, high quality books. They're they're well well they're first of all physically well made. Um, they're you know at least in my experience well edited and well written. Uh, and I think that's a big part of it. I, I'm drafting on their success. Um, right. But the uh, also um, I think the people like the concept uh, of what this is and what it is is a uh, you know the, the it's your characters who have been hired to engage on a search and rescue of a missing ship. Uh, And it's really, I I tend to, you know, everyone, I talk to other authors, other writers, and we all sort of find that we sort of have a a type of adventure that we lean to to tend to end up writing. Mine almost invariably, like Rain Gorge's Appetite, are some element of investigations, a mystery, That something, Mm -hmm. something, not everything that is what you see in front of you is exactly, is is accurate in what's actually happening. There's, there's more, there, there are unseen actors, there are twists coming. And so that's what, uh, that's what the Sea King's Malice is all about, is that you start on a, a sea voyage that takes you to some unbelievably places, unbelievable places that you certainly never would thought when you're, yeah, boarding in Bridgeport in a civilized city you know heading off uh to see uh where you end up at the end of the book is pretty pretty crazy really and uh so uh yeah i think it's i'm, I'm just delighted with the with the way it's worked out uh and then the the support i've gotten from frogot has been amazing you know with Zach just as constant encouragement. And Edwin, who's given just good advice and, and you know, really level-headed editing. And Casey's done a great job with art uh, and, you know, and all the art artists that he's hired to, to illustrate this book. Uh, part of the deal, I told those guys, I'm like, hey, you guys got to, I want this book to sit on the shelf next to a Wizards 5e release and look better. you know, Better from a standpoint of more art, uh mm-hmm. and just just everything it's this can't be this can't look oh that's a third-party p- publishing book this is gonna you know someone who doesn't know any better would not be able to tell who is the big publisher based on the the way the book looks uh and they've certainly come through on that i mean it's the the art that is that has been uh, created for this book is just amazing and i'm just thrilled that i get to be part of that that my words get to be associated with this great art
0: well to give frog got a challenge like hey put something out that could actually. Uh, visually and physically be competition to woods of the coast. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they chomped at the bit for that one.
1: <laughs> yeah well you know the, the what again going back to whatever t- type whatever rule system of D D you play leaving all that aside there is just no question about where where sales are and for what editions and and 5e is just a monster right now i mean it sells oh god yeah. and so that's they're looking at that as saying well we've done a lot of good stuff in pathfinder at swords and wizardry and we have, we have 5e product we're coming on this is a real chance to announce that we are a legitimate player in the 5e realm and i think I just happened to, and I was encouraging them. I look, I tried to encourage them. Look, guys, this is a, I think this is a chance. I think that, you know, I know enough of the 5e people that they're going to be, the Wizards people, that they're going to be su- uh, support, not only cooperative, but supportive and encouraging. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just... I hope it really accomplishes what um they hope it will and that is to that that new new customers come to Frog God uh because of uh they have they're being recognized as a real you know high end producer of of uh, of fifth edition games. Uh
0: the artwork that Frog God has been pulling in over the last uh, at least the last 2 years has been nothing but phenomenal and mm-hmm. uh Casey Casey's that reason. Yeah. He has an eye for talent and he finds it and the work is is stunning and uh, it's certainly up there with anything that Wizards might put out or um, I I think Wizards would be your main competition, at least for the full color artwork.
1: Sure, sure, uh, sure, uh, you know, and, and Casey's such a good guy too, you know, so I'm, I c- so completely acknowledge that I have, I have no doubt that I'm a pain in the ass to work with, because this is really my baby, you know, I'm like, I, 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 I nitpick at things, you know, I get a, a, a piece of art, I say, oh, that's not, it doesn't exactly match my copy, you know, I need, you know, this is not right, and sometimes there's some really funny, just big errors, like, what are they reading, that's not even the, <laughs> That's not what I wrote at right. all, um, but in, in, and then we laugh about it. But you know, Casey's really chill dude, and he's very uh, he's been very accommodating um, and uh, rolls with it. And he's had a really good attitude about all all my. I try not to be unreasonable, but this really means a lot to me. I mean this this is let's put it this way, Eric. I look back at that kid when I was twelve, staring at that four panelled set at Value Village in Portage, Wisconsin, and to think that I could have a D and D book. On a shelf like that with my name on it—I mean, that's been a dream of mine for a long time. So uh, it's, uh, that's why I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to mitigate my 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 control and try to limit <laughs> how nitpicky I am with all these details. But man, this this project really means a lot to me.
0: As well, it should. And, and, and don't sell yourself short either by saying that you're an unknown name uh, when it comes to publishing. I, I think. Those that, especially those of us—I don't want to say are wired in—but anybody who goes to gaming conventions knows who Alex Cameron is. Well, okay, and I mean and 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 they they've seen the work that you've put out. Now, I, I obviously that is a subsection of gamers in general, but hopefully getting something like this out on on, on retail stores will certainly not just. Bring uh, more focus on God but more focus
1: on you. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it's you know. I, I had a uh, that experience. Oh gosh, it was about six months ago or so. Maybe it was more than that, eight months ago. I was in LA and I was out visiting a buddy, and he took me to his local game store, and I found they had a one of the, a Fragaud module that I had written for them in that store, and I just I made him take a picture of me. You know, I was like I couldn't believe it. I'm like oh my god, it's in a game store. Outside of the state of Wisconsin, I can't effing believe it. This is so amazing. Uh, so yeah, I'm, the 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 concept still has not really dawned on me that that's actually possible. But it's going to be in distribution. It's going to be in game stores. It's I just oh man, I'm I'm so I'm so excited. Oh,
0: uh as as well you should be. And, I, and I've I've seen some of the sample art that they're that they're showing here on the uh, Kickstarter page, mm. and this is color art that makes me really feel uh like i'm looking at some ad and d products but with with modern sense of i don't know about modern sensibilities but uh a a modern look to the art while still having a feel that harkens back and Mm. uh as a gamer that that goes back nearly 40 years i i I am loving it i really am
1: I, I really appreciate that. The uh, you know people who've read my stuff in the past, and I don't, I don't decide what my style is. My style is just my style. And they, people, you know, my friends from Wizards who read my stuff, they say you have a very old school style. I don't even know what that means, really, um, but I think at least from my philosophy with the with the, the stuff I write, uh, there's the the danger is real um there there are there are meaningful choices to be made in a lot of different places effective role-playing is a very big part of everything I write you can dramatically out change the outcomes of situations with good play um and there are there are there are, there the very real consequences and pretty freaky stuff i got some pretty crazy stuff that happens in this book that you won't find in a wizard's book because there i'm not saying it's not family friendly but it certainly goes f- closer to not being family friendly than the wizard stuff because i can you know i can right. i can i get to do that i don't have to try to try to satisfy hasbros um Hasbro's dictates, you know, and so this is, there's some stuff in my book that's pretty freaky and pretty, but not without being like Lamentations of the Flame Princess, you know, not well, going to that, going that direction. Um, well, so,
0: because you like to be playable too at the same time. That's yeah, like-
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And so I got to tell you, this is a pretty funny thing. Um, so my uh, proofreader in everything that I've ever published uh, in gaming is my wife, my wife, Kelly. Uh, she, She is an unbelievably slow reader she is meticulous she grinds through every character and she'll find every error and it's just I can't even believe that she wants to read like that I just Um, but she she's very careful and so uh, this is back in February and we're out to for uh, her birthday dinner and I'm telling her like Kelly please you got to get this finished up I got to get this manuscript into the frogs they're waiting for it and they're seriously waiting on you and her mom is uh with us and she is a, a canadian expatriate like a very prim and proper can- english canadian uh, oh. sitting there and she goes oh i'm a good proofreader can i read okay. your book and i thought oh my god uh i mean there's there there are psychedelic uh transformations that people go through human sacrifice i mean there's some stuff in here right i'm thinking I, what am i gonna say so okay okay like, what the hell sure you can sure pat you can read my book. Uh, and so she, I gave it to her and she got it back to me 2 days later and she was so complimentary. She said, "Alex, first of all, you're you're such a good writer. I'm just t- delighted b- to read it and I can't wait to play this game. I want to play this game." And this wow. is my, this is my mother-in-law, my Canadian mother-in-law who doesn't know anything about D&D and she's in her, you know, mid 70s. First time she's ever even looked at anything like this. I couldn't believe it. I thought for sure she'd be like, "Well, Kelly, you married a you married a deviant." <laughs> we knew
0: phrase um, no. before, but <laughs> yeah,
1: right, right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's been a really interesting, really interesting experience from uh, from start to finish.
0: Well, yeah, I, I think that when when folks say that you write in old school style, that uh, just from my experience uh reading the Brain Gorger, like you said, you there's multiple ways to achieve pretty much everything. There's there's no pre destined path that tells you how to get from point A to point E. Mm -hmm. There are multiple ways to get there. The the players are going to feel, not just that the decisions matter, but that their decisions are dictating the way the story is going to play out, as opposed to a lot of the more recent adventures from certain uh, companies that are more rigid in how they play out, especially when they have to end in a certain way so you can go on to the next in a series. Mm. And uh, I think that y- you avoid that. And, uh, I-, I think that that's your strength.
1: Well, I-, I appreciate that. For me, I think the the most challenging part, and this is what, you know, if you – if 2013 alex would not have appreciated this and that is that the real challenge for good design which again these are all personal things uh what how you feel what good design is but good design for me is accommodating a variety of play styles so you can but you still have a plot you're not just splashing pure sandbox where you're just create a city and say, go enter the city and do what you want. Where there is still a plot, a central plot, and there is a a central quest, plot, mission, whatever. But there are you can go in you can get there in a bunch of different ways. That's hard. It is. Uh, I, I, it's really, I mean, it takes, that's why it took me a year and a half to write this goddamn thing. You know, I had to really think about, all right, I don't, I have a bottleneck here. The only way they can get past this bottleneck is to do this. Well, that's not good. I need to have, there's got to be at least two or three ways to get past this because people play differently. And so that, it just took a little thinking and, and, all, and also it wasn't, all, and also input from friends. I mean, I, I bounced stuff off Zach, I bounced stuff off. My friend Scott Fitzgerald Gray, who's one of the main editors and authors for Wizards, actually, and he's he's edited just about everything I've written. Uh, and they've, you know, said you could do this too. And I said, oh, great, that's a great idea. And I'm I'm always willing to take <laughs> take advice from smart people. Uh, and oh, there uh, so you go. It's, it's, uh, it's so it's 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 yeah. So that's always the goal. And I. I gosh, I hope I've accomplished it here. I guess we'll see. I I'm, I'm, can't wait for it to get into players' hands and game tables and game stores so people can play it. And then I'll, I guess that will be the, that will be the, the proof will be in the pudding at that point, what they think. Oh, definitely. Well, I
0: I, I was an early backer of this. Then again, if you know my Kickstarter history, I'm an early backer of a lot of projects. <laughs> much, m- m- much to my wife, uh, Rachel's uh, chagrin. Well, we thank just had you. Renovate, we, we, we just had renovations done here. And, She's realizing, like, do you realize how many, how many, you know, role-playing products you just have in boxes that need to go somewhere? I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm going to, you know, get some shelving for the living room. She goes. <laughs> nice. Like, I'm, not, I'm not doing it to your yoga room. Your yoga room will be safe for me, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for backing it. it uh, every, you know, I'm one of those. You know, this I've. This is my first Kickstarter that I've been part of. You know, I've, I've, I'm like you. I back a ton of Kickstarters. I've got. Right. I can't even tell you how many. I just. I have so much stuff. But uh, to actually be you, part of. You're it, a super I, backer. <laughs> yeah. And so the. To see, you know, I look. One of the first things I do in the morning after I get my kids out of bed and get them ready to school is I'm. A, open up, pull up my phone and take a look at uh, how the Kickstarter is doing. And, you know, here we are, 12 days left. Look at that. We got some work backers overnight. Yay. You know, I'm just excited by it. Uh, you know, every, every one is a, is a means something to me. And it's so, so it's really exciting. I've been, I've been enjoying the process.
0: Well, as, as well you should. And uh, listen, Froggy Games knows how to put together quality Kickstarters and, and quality books. Like, like you said, the, the the quality the physical quality of of, of the books that frog guy puts out i guess you've you must have seen uh bill take uh one of the larger books and put, you know hold it from the two uh covers and then shake it with the pages and, and, mm-hmm. and yeah and I, I always cringe when he does that because I, I know the vast majority of my gaming books would not survive that
1: oh right yeah yeah, the the library binding for real. I mean, that's a, it's, it's, and I appreciate that. And the paper quality, you know, these things all yeah. have cost consequences, and ink quality, these all have cost consequences. Uh, and there's a reason why mass market books fail at the rate they do, just because they can't afford to do these kind of things. So this is a, you know, that's what the book I, I want my, you know, I wanted the book to Endure and to to be that quality. So that's that's why it was an easy yes for me when they asked me. You know, I said I saw the at that point I saw the proofs coming out of City of Brass, Casey's book.
2: Wow, look at that! Oh bar.
1: God! You know, I'm like, well, you guys, okay, you you guys are on the right path. Here we go. Let's let's make a let's make a, a book that's going to melt faces. You know, Um yeah, so it's, that's
0: it's, 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 City City of Brass. Uh, you know, if if their prior books were you know hitting solid eight and a half, nine and a half when it came to art. You know, City of Brass busted through ten and did spinal tap at eleven. I mm-hmm. mean, that was uh, spot on. So yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I agree. I agree. So, so
0: I'm expecting more. I'm, I'm expecting even more so from yours. By the way.
1: Well, geez, that's a high bar. Uh, I certainly, you know, Casey did a great job putting this all together, and uh, and you know, kudos to uh, all the guys for giving such a generous art budget. I mean, this literally is doubling their art budget. Um, They allowed me to pick my cover artist, who's still working on it. She's gonna, it's gonna be a beautiful cover. It's Elena Danner, and she's uh, she does. She's she's really busy right now doing all kinds of magic cards, and she's a friend from Madison, and she's. Really talented, and uh, I her cover is going to be released here shortly, it should be here in the next week. Um, <sighs> I, can't, I can't wait to show people, um, and it'll still be going, that'll come out while the Kickstarter is still live. I think we have about 12 more days um, of the Kickstarter, so uh, still good stuff coming uh, down the pike here for uh, for Sea King's Malice. Very cool,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Alex, man, thank you. This was this was good and. Uh, and I'm glad we got to talk about not just Sea uh, King's malice, but some of your other work because you've you've made a name for yourself, even if you don't know it.
1: <laughs> well, even I, if I, you I don't, don't know it, I don't know about that. I appreciate that, and it's always just it's good just to to talk to uh, a fellow gamer of, you know, of the same vintage about where we came from and how similar a lot of these things are. And, you know, it's just cool. It's what a, what a great community. I mean, it's a great time to be alive in gaming that we have here. I'm sitting in my attic here in Madison, Wisconsin, and you're on the East coast and we can have this conversation. People can listen and join. I mean, that's, that's unthinkable. I mean, imagine what that would, that that would have been like in the early eighties. I mean, this didn't happen, you know? And so this is a a great, a great, great time to be a gamer. So.
0: Well, back cool. in the early 80s if you if you made a local phone call, I think after 5 minutes it started charging you by the minute. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, yeah. you didn't you didn't have these free internet phone calls. I remember getting my 300 baud modem from my Commodore 64 and thinking it was going to open up the world to me.
1: Um, <laughs> well, took a while to tell to, to to reveal a little bit of how much of a freaking country boy hick I am. I grew up when I my first experience with a phone. Was on a party line, meaning you picked up the phone and your neighbors would be on the phone. Oh, uh, geez. Yeah, you didn't have your own phone line because I was out in rural Wisconsin. So you had to say, oh, I'm sorry. And you have to wait till they're done and then you could place your call. Wow. <laughs> you know, to think about that now in terms of. You know, as I look at the m- numerous devices arrayed on my desk, with my laptop and my 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 desktop and my phone, and oh my gosh, it's just a it's like a very different world. And it's just to the to the good of gaming that just has flattened the Earth so much, with uh, access to everyone. You know, everyone's right there, and uh, and uh, we share share uh, games and game concepts so quickly and easily now. You know, as opposed to you think about the the play by mail stuff that uh, the original wargamers were doing, Gary and company. You know, it's hard to even imagine that world
0: no oh, i I remember doing uh play by mail stuff, oh God like in the in the in the eighties uh there was a Conan one. I disliked it for the maps and yes. there was there was one about like i don't know you you work some like minor crime lord killing other crime lords in the city I don't even know why I enjoyed them so much, but I guess it's because like I'm saying it's before we had this extra communication now. Uh, most of my gaming is done via virtual tabletops. Mm. I'm getting with people in, in Canada, Florida, Texas, Connecticut, all over the place.
1: Wow. Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So yeah,
0: that's, that's what my uh, 12-year-old me would, would be stunned by, just to see where, where gaming has changed, but it really hasn't changed. I mean, you can still play your old-school games and still get that, that same feel just so you can also play it now with, like, you know, World 20 and Fancy Grounds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Different. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, Alex, again, so. him, uh, you know, thank you. I'm going to be seeing you next week at North Texas.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely hang out. That'll be great. I uh, I'll pop down to Dallas next Wednesday. Uh I and thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk to me and letting me prattle on about my this project. I know I get a little overly overwrought about it. I don't mean to be emotional about oh, it, but it just it means, please, it means this, a lot to me. So I I really appreciate it.
0: Th- this is your gaming child. You know, you you've been working yourself up to this one. This is the one that you can present to to not just the old school gamers and the congoers, but this is the one that's going to go out there uh, how do they say it? Wide. You <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna. It, it. It's. I can almost guarantee you it's gonna be very successful. Uh, w- once it reaches uh retail levels and, and gets out there, because again, you don't realize it, but you've got a little bit more of a following than you're willing to admit. That's fine. A lot of us don't <laughs> like do that for ourselves. That's but funny. uh, you do quality work. Well, thank and, you. And, and and you've got a quality company putting this together for you, so those combinations should be uh, a huge win-win.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, my man. Well, cool. Uh, thanks again. I uh, look forward to uh, to hanging in uh, in Dallas here. Geez, just days. I better get my stuff together here. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I, I got to reach. By the way, I got to reach out to Zach because
1: apparently I'm uh,
0: writing, running running uh, teagle Manor for two mornings, and uh, I have yet to see any material that I'm running. But, yeah, <laughs> nice. Okay. Hey, listen! I like to improv. Anyway, just you know, give me a one-page outline, and I'll, 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 I'll scare my players somehow.
1: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, cool. Right. Well, we'll we'll see you then. Thanks again.
0: You're welcome, Alex. And just so folks know they're listening, uh, there will be a link to the Kickstarter
1: and uh, Game Well
0: Con and a few other things uh, in the show notes for the podcast here. And again, huge thanks to Alex. And as always, folks, God bless. Be safe. Roll those dice and roll them well. And uh, I'll talk with you all tomorrow.